This is the Israel Connection, coming to you on J-Air Community Radio, being broadcast live on 88FM and streaming on the internet at j-air.com.au. My name is David Schulberg, bringing you another episode of this weekly radio program that provides analysis and insight with important interviews and discussion about Israel. And as uh, listeners uh, might expect... This program will be essentially devoted to this escalating war that is going on between Israel and Hamas as we speak. Founded in 2003 by David Lang, Israeli Cool has become the largest English language blog in Israel and one of the largest focused on Israel in the world. It is a project of Israeli Cool Israel Advocacy, a registered Israeli non-profit. It's my pleasure to welcome David Lang, an ex-Aussie, who is the force behind the website Israeli cool to the Israel Connection. Great to have you with me today. Thanks for having me, David. Unfortunately, we're we're in circumstances that are, uh, are not very good at all. But as we both know, that means we've got plenty that there for us to consider. Unfortunately, that's the case. Now, you were a guest of Andrew Bolt last week, and at the end of last year, you appeared on the Australian Jewish Association's regular weekly Zoom events where you spoke at length about how you operate, exposing the misfits who demonise Israel. But before we go any further, I'd like to wish you a hearty muzzle tov on your recent marriage, which is the reason it's taken quite a while to get you in front of a microphone to talk to me. Uh, guilty as charged. Thank you very much for that warm introduction and uh, also the muzzle tov. Yes, uh, it's all happening and you did, I can prove that uh, you definitely were in touch with me a while ago about this <laughs> and I kept putting it off. I, you know, it was everything but the dog ate my homework pretty much. But yes, I did actually get married. I did move house and I said, let's do it after the Chagim. And then Hamas decided that they didn't want us to talk apparently, but now we have a lot more to talk about. Yeah, today we're going to concentrate on what is happening with uh, Israel's war with Hamas with Israel on the verge of a major air, land and sea assault on Gaza. And by the time uh, we, we go to air tomorrow, this assault may have already begun. And the, the objective is to destroy Hamas once and for all. Now, do you think that the eradication of Hamas is achievable? The eradication of Hamas is definitely achievable. It all depends on our will, the will of Israel. The will of Israel to do what it takes, which could involve some very painful choices, because as we know, if we want to eradicate Hamas, it's going to necessitate the killing, the unfortunate and tragic killing of Gazan civilians, which none of us condone and none of us want. But because of the way Hamas operates with this double war crime, the fact that they operate deliberately from civilian areas and they do so not by accident. They do so because they exactly want to elicit this reaction from Israel, because they know, first of all, that they don't value human life. They don't value our human life, and they don't value the human life of their own people. And they know that we do value human life, and that we might consider changing our operating policy, our tactics, our strategies, in order to avoid civilian casualties. But if there are civilian casualties, they win anyway. They win a public relations war. So we have the capabilities to eradicate Hamas, I believe. It's all a matter of will. Are we willing to withstand the, the international condemnation and the propaganda efforts against us in order to do so? 
Well, President Biden is uh, on his way to Israel just to make sure that Israel uh, behaves itself as it carries out this assault on uh, Hamas. So uh, that's uh, one factor that's obviously highly significant. I also see from your efforts of late, you've concentrated on exposing those who are supporting Hamas in one way or another. Now, what have you come across in the media and elsewhere that you've been highlighting on your website, Israeli Cool? Well, just just to point out, I've been doing this, you know, well before the war. I've been exposing anti-Semites. And of course, most of the anti-Semites that I've been exposing, they tend to support nice people, nice people like Hamas. Go figure. There's not much more anti-Semitic than uh, supporting the genocide, murder, killing, abduction, rape of uh, Jewish men, women and children. So, but yeah, obviously my efforts have intensified as of late because yeah, normally, it, you know, it takes quite a bit of effort to uncover these people. But what I've noticed is how they, they're just out in the, in the sunlight now. When, you, when you're confronted with all these horrific images that we're seeing, a picture tells a thousand words, these tell millions of words. And yet there are so many people who aren't just denying and claiming, you know, we're somehow fabricating. But we see people who are celebrating the, the murder, kidnapping, abduction of civilians. They're celebrating it. So I, I expose these people and, and, and look, it's troubling in of itself. But what I've noticed you know, I've known that the, the left have had a problem for a long time. You know, it's, it's very easy to look at the anti-Semites of the right, the far right. They're what I would call the low-hanging fruit. But they're, they're a kind of a minority. Most reasonable people, or most people that would see themselves as good people, would condemn right-wing anti-Semitism. But we are seeing so much left-wing anti-Semitism now. Again, I've known it's existed for a while, but to, to actually be confronted with Black Lives Matter people or people that support The Voice in Australia, people that otherwise paint themselves as supporting human rights, to see them celebrating, applauding the Hamas atrocities, it's, you know what, it, it takes a lot to get me shocked. That is shocking. Well, there's some news that I've just come across uh, today. Um, Rabbi Ralph Ganendi, who's a figure of some prominence in the Jewish community here, has resigned from the Jewish Christian Muslim Association because of the behaviour of imams and their not condemning of what Hamas has done. So there's a lot of yeah, fallout well, going on. Yeah, no, I did read about that. And as I like to say, you can't sit around and sing Kumbaya with people that want to use your head as the drum. And we're seeing that many of the people that pretended to be our allies, when push comes to shove, uh, they're, they're not our allies. And, and this, you know, yeah, we have to draw a line in the sand. I mean, this is blatant targeting of civilians. You can't, there's no excuses yet. These people are not only excusing it, but they're supporting it. And it's, it's pure evil. I've been particularly disturbed. I've been listening to the media a great deal in Australia. I've been disturbed by the fact that what, Ham what Hamas has done has given the opportunity to many pro-Palestinians to pop up in response to the media seeking to hear their side of the story. To my mind, this is this analogous to going to perpetrators of a crime and asking them publicly to explain what they did, why they did it, which in normal circumstances would be unheard of. Yeah. First of all, I'll take exception to the term pro-Palestinian because I think one of the things we've seen is there's no such thing. Meaning a true pro-Palestinian person 
would condemn Hamas and say, listen, we want what's good for the Palestinians, but we condemn this heinous crime. But we're not seeing much of that. And not only that, Hamas, if you're pro-Palestinian, you want what's best for the Palestinians, you have to be anti-Hamas because they've been the biggest disaster to before the Palestinians since Yasser Arafat. They're, as I mentioned earlier, they're the ones who are committing these double war crimes. They're the ones endangering their people. This isn't their first rod rodeo. They, they know that Israel is going to retaliate. Well, I don't want to say retaliate, but Israel is going to act against this heinous atrocity that they've committed, and they don't, they don't care. In fact, they, they do care. They, they do want more Palestinian casualties for the propaganda effect. I would never use the term pro-Palestinian anymore because I'm not seeing any pro-Palestinians. I'm just seeing anti-Semites. All right. Well, that, uh, that, that can be your point of view. I, I, I understand it. Now, I, I shared you with you a video recording that I've made at the pro-Palestine rally that took place in Melbourne last Sunday. Now, uh, I actually, uh, when I posted it, uh, I actually refers to it as a pro-Hamas rally. Um, and somebody uh, said, well, how could, why would you say it was uh, pro-Hamas? There were people there condemning Hamas. But uh, it was lip service, really, to condemnation. It was all uh, Hamas did this, but. And then it, it goes on to all this uh, victimhood that uh, we hear time and time again about the occupation, etc., etc. Now, when I uh, shared this video, actually, with a number of community figures, one said to me, well done for recording this, whoever did it, and it was it was myself. I don't have time to watch an hour. If there's something bad that I can amplify, can you let me know when it took place? Now, I told him about RAF, a self-hating Jewish socialist and BDS activist from Melbourne University whose remarks to the large crowd were particularly poisonous. And, of course, being a Jew, they were very happy to see him there uh, discounting um, what Zionists uh, say on, on their side. Now, let's listen to the start of his speech and then uh, let's uh, come back and uh, resume our, our discussion. As a Jew, I say not in my name. Not in my name. Jews should know better than anyone the horrors of racism, oppression and pogroms. you after what we've heard how do you deal with Jews like Ruff? I know you asked a similar question of Deborah Lipstadt, the US Special Envoy to monitor and combat anti-Semitism at a conference on anti-Semitism a while ago but what are your thoughts now on uh, this perplexing problem? Yeah well it's a good question how do you deal with 
such people. I mean, they are very damaging to the Jewish people because they are the alibi, as it were, to the real anti-Semites saying, listen, we're not anti-Jewish, some of our best friends are Jewish. They are the best friends, referred to in that almost cliched response to allegations of anti-Semitism. And Raf is, look, he, he even started off his speech with as a Jew, which is almost a joke because I, I refer to these people as, as a Jews. That's kind of how I derogatorily refer to them because they only use their Judaism. Their Judaism is only seemingly useful to them in order to bash us, to demonize us, to provide fodder for our enemies. That's what it seems to me in any case. And they, of course, these are the sorts of Jewish people that misuse the concepts like tikkun olam, which has nothing to do with what they think it means, which is definitely not, you know, undermining your own people. So it is very infuriating and these people need to be ostracized. And I think it can be done because the vast majority of Jews um, are Zionist. It's part of our, it's a core part of the Jewish religion. And I would say 90, 95% at least of Jewish people are Zionists that support Israel. You know, and you can be on the left wing or the right wing and what you mean by Zionism might differ a little bit, but it definitely means the existence of a Jewish state. But if you listen to people like Raf, they say explicitly they don't want a Jewish state. Raf, in his, in his uh, diatribe, said he was sickened. If you notice those comments, he was so, what was he sickened about? He didn't mention once the massacre of his own Jewish brothers and sisters. He was sickened by the weaponization of anti-Semitism. That's what sickens him? I'm sickened by Jewish people like Raf. You know, I, I should say I also engaged with a, a Jewish member of the Australian Greens, who, although not as bad as Raf, I should say, is still in the habit of making excuses for the Israelophobic stance that the Greens repeatedly take in Australia. And only today and yesterday we've witnessed the Greens disagreeing with bipartisan motions in support of Israel that have been passed in both the federal and state parliaments. This is pretty uh, deplorable situation, uh, you must agree, David. Yeah, I mean, again, you can be pro-Palestinian theoretically and be against these heinous atrocities. I mean, it doesn't, if you're, if you're not confident enough in your cause that you think that condemning Hamas will somehow undermine your own cause, there's something really the, the, the problem with your cause, isn't there? I mean, take any Zionist would condemn and do condemn uh, if there are individuals that commit uh, crimes. You know, if um, one lone person, for instance, um, goes to Huwara and, um, you know, causes vandalism, or, God forbid, harms any Palestinian, me included, of course. I'm one of the first to condemn it. And I, I'm because I'm comfortable that I'm on the right side, that I have the moral high ground. So I don't feel any, I'm undermining my cause by condemning what is clearly a disgusting, amoral act. Yet for them, for the refs of the world, it seems that they can't do it. I wonder why that is. Do you think that support for Israel will change as a result of this horrendous attack by Hamas on ordinary Israelis? Yeah, I do believe that there are people, intellectually honest people who are on the fence, that will now question, again, they were on the fence, they didn't know which way to turn, they listened to both sides, they might have even been a bit towards the anti-Israel side, and now I think they'll be firmly on the Israeli side, I do believe that. There are a lot of supporters out there, and people that have become supporters because Guess what? They're reasonable people. And what they saw defied explanation and was clearly wrong. And then I'll also look at 
people that they might have allied themselves with, not just uh, the the Hamas of um, the Palestinians rather, but uh, people that are supporting them. They'll go, wait a minute, I can't be protesting with you guys because you were celebrating this murder. So I do believe on a positive note that we will see more support. On the other side, yeah, and I mean, the, the, the people that wouldn't support us anyway, they're, they're lost, I believe. They're either anti-Semitic or just beyond help. They're, 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 their moral compass is so severely damaged, you know, we just have to give up on them at this point. You have to throw the compass away. It just doesn't work anymore. It's, it, to me, to my mind, it seems like uh, after the Holocaust, of course, there was a lot of support for, for Jews over what Jews experienced in the Holocaust. But we've seen that wane over, over time, and I guess that the same thing might happen here. There might be a, a bit of a burst of support now, but over time, things will go back to the way they used to be, perhaps uh, in, in the long run. I mean, time will tell, but that doesn't mean we can't fight to... Yes, and we, we we definitely should fight to influence these people who are on the fence or can be influenced, and we definitely need to use you know because we have a lot of grist for our mill. Unfortunately, I mean they're they're basically going around the Hamas terrorists went around with GoPro cameras and documented their evil deeds. Now we need to be highlighting this, and we need to be getting people on our sides because uh, we can feel it alone, as you are fully aware. <laughs> For and we do feel alone most of the time. So and we need to, you know, get more supporters. Don't get me wrong; there is a lot of support. I'm seeing a lot of support, but at the same time, still very troubling to see how many people still are very anti-Israel and are doubling down on that. Yeah, I'm just speaking with David Lang from uh, Israeli Cooley. He's an ex-Aussie who's uh, started up uh, an English language uh, website that uh, is very influential in tackling uh, anti-Semitism and anti-Israel activity. There are some uh, members of the non-Jewish community that have made some speeches and uh, videos and so forth uh, in support of Israel, which are astounding. And one one to mention is the one by Douglas Murray. I don't know whether you've watched that one. That yeah, I saw that, of course. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, absolutely superb. And one of my bugbears are the spokespeople for the Palestinian cause, and one in particular is uh, Nasser Mashni, who's the president of the Australian-Palestinian Advocacy Network, who hosts the only show in Australia dedicated to the untold side of the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. That's a, a quote from his program that's on radio every week. Now, you've told us in a, about, about him in a post that you put on your website in which you describe Mashni as being like Dr Jekyll and Mr Hyde. Now, you say that Mashni is just one example among thousands, but given his prominence in the Palestinian movement here, I think he's a very important target whose nefarious character should be particularly exposed. Yeah, look, he's been on my radar for a while now. He was first on my radar when the Australian government designated the political arm of Hamas as a terrorist organisation, and I think he was trying to sue to have that reversed. What makes him particularly nefarious is the fact that he is extremely articulate, soft-spoken. Now, I watched his interview with Sky News the other day, and you, you see everything about him is it's PR. He's wearing this nice suit. His hair is slicked back. You even see meticulous detail on what's in the background. I looked in the background. There's a globe of the world. There's a Superman figurine that kind of 
you know, Superman, the hero of the world, and also kind of shows him as a bit of a child. I'm sure all of this was carefully crafted. I think there was one book, something to do with Palestine. He definitely didn't have anything relating to terror. But when I saw this interview with Sky News Australia, one the one thing that uh, and he you know, was saying, I I think that the Jewish Australians, I empathise with them. You know, this whole thing to do with the Sydney Opera House being lit and how uh, Jewish Australians were prevented from getting there and there was worries about their safety. And he was empathising with my Jewish brothers and sisters. He said all the right things, yet he was repeatedly asked to condemn Hamas and he couldn't do it. It was all that but stuff. It was terrible what happened, but, you know, and we all know that when you put a but in something, it completely negates everything before it. I, I'm absolutely disgusted by him. And then I watched your video and I saw how he came across at that at that protest. Gone was the suit. He had the kefir on, the terror scarf that Arafat popularized. And he wouldn't, again, he wouldn't condemn Hamas. He even spoke about the resistance there. Palestine always was and always will be Palestinian land. I want to thank you all for being here today. From the bottom of my heart, I can't express to you how much it means because I know I speak for every Palestinian here and anyone that cares about Palestinians. Because I've never felt so alone. I've never felt so alone when our Prime Minister He only ever says Israel has a right to defend itself. I felt alone when politicians called upon Palestinians to renounce violence whilst declaring their solidarity with an apartheid state. I've never felt so alone as when the mass media rightly condemned the anti-Semitic chants, but in the same same report refused to condemn Peter Dutton for saying we should be deported, Benjamin Yahoo for saying that uh, Gaza is a wicked city, and he refused to condemn a defence minister who said we were human animals. He felt alone when Peter Dutton could get a microphone and a camera and say we needed to be deported, and not one reporter said to him, are you serious? He did mention that we cannot be anti-Semitic, but he also mentioned how don't be duped by the media. In other words, he knows fully well how you need to present yourself to the outside world. But he was amongst friends, so he could be himself more at that rally. He also said, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. What normal person after the massacre of men, women and children responds like that? So I'm not fooled by him. And in fact, I would do anything to be able to debate him on Australian television. So, David, if you have any contacts, please make it happen, because I want to show this guy up for who he truly is. This has got nothing to do with religion. That's what he says. Now, is, that, is, that, is that why when you go to these rallies, you're hearing, you're hearing Allah Akbar being shouted out from the rooftops? Yeah. No, but he, he's very shrewd. He's like saying, please don't have any anti-Semitism. But like he knows it looks bad. 
He's saying, I, the, we are the human rights organization. We are the, on the side of human rights. There is no place for anti-Semitism. One of his tactics is to co-opt Jews like Raf. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, bring them into the fold and uh, and then get them to say, oh, we're all fighting anti-Semitism. We're all yeah. on the same page together. That's they all a, do that. That is a really deceptive tactic and that's what... They I all do despise. that. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah they all do that, unfortunately. But, yeah, he's, he's shrewd and uh, we're going to take him down. Yeah, that's a, an interesting uh, ambition of yours because uh, I like to uh, also speak for people who are on the uh, other side of the fence, so to speak, but I find uh, it almost impossible for get them to get them to uh, be willing to engage. Don't get me wrong, David. I wouldn't um, be engaging him to get him to engage, or let's say to to get him to change his mind, rather. But uh, rather for the audience's sake to to you know to expose him for who he truly is. But yeah, I'm sure he wouldn't. No, they, they probably wouldn't agree. They to won't the talk. They, they will say that they won't talk to you because you're um, mm. a Zionist and you support uh, war criminals. And uh, once if you were. Uh, to change uh, your spots, then then they they might be willing to talk to you. That's what I've heard from uh, from others. That's, that's part of their coterie. Now I started listening to Mashney's radio show, which is called Palestine Remembered, at the weekend. Uh, and the first item he mentioned that made me bristle was the claim that Israel had bombed the convoy heading for the south of Gaza. Now, according to IDF spokesperson. Jonathan Conricus in the Times of Israel, the strike on a convoy of Gazans fleeing to the south part of Strip on Friday appears to have been a false flag operation carried out by Hamas. And Conricus has said on X, when you apply logic and think who would benefit from those very horrible images of children and civilians that were evacuating south, and then they are apparently clearly dead, who stands to gain from that? Only one organisation, Hamas. So at least 70 people, most of them children, were killed in this strike, which occurred on the route that Israel said should be used for fleeing Gazans. Now, uh, Conricus says that he expects the army would release proof of its claim in the coming hours or days. And this is obviously key, I think, to um, Israel standing tall and, and ethical. Uh, what's Do you think that Israel is going to make a, a major moral victory out of this? I mean, I really hope so. Obviously, it's all predicated on the proof. But isn't it interesting how the same people that point to this, uh, they accept everything that the, the Hamas Ministry of Health claims as fact. They never demand proof from Hamas. When Hamas says, you know, a thousand people or whatever have been killed, no one questions that. So whenever Hamas claims an atrocity, a so-called atrocity by the AF, these same people, they, they parrot that as fact. You will have images, actual proof, and they'll claim it's AI, which is what we saw with the beheaded baby story or the burnt baby story, as if somehow the, the manner of the, the murder of babies is somehow relevant in the story. So there's a definitely double standard there. But unfortunately, yes, we are held to this standard, not by just the, you know, the anti-Israel crowd, but the media as well, who are willing accomplices to this propaganda war. Yeah, the media bias here is... Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, very apparent that they uh, they give credence to this report as to what what happened when um, the issue of uh, babies being beheaded. Uh, we had the uh, the ABC journalist saying it was bullshit. Um, <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> now I've written a, an email to the Lord Mayor of the City of Melbourne, which has been providing a grant for the last few years 
to Palestine National Day, which is supposed to be a day every year celebrating Palestinian food and culture with uh, entertainment. Now, if that was the case, there wouldn't probably be, be too much to um, to complain about. But now I can see, and this is only I've come across today because I've been monitoring what's happening on their Facebook page, APAN, the Australian Palestinian Advocacy Network, has declared a vigil for Gaza to take place at Federation Square instead of Palestine National Day. So they're transforming this day, which was supposed to be Palestine National Day, into a uh, an event that's been like the rallies we've been witnessing. Now, the problem with all of this is that uh, this is funded by uh, the City of Melbourne. They get a grant for the uh, celebration of Palestine National Day. And I I'll quote from their Facebook page telling you what uh, they're intending to, to, to do on this day. Over 3,000 Palestinians have been killed in the last week, including 1,000 children. Given the ongoing onslaught on our families in Gaza, the Palestinian community in Victoria has decided that Palestine National Day celebration will now be transformed into a vigil in solidarity with Gaza and Palestine. Join the, Palestine, join the Palestinian community in Victoria on Friday 27th at 6pm to honour the victims and hear from community members who have families in Gaza. Now, my letter to the Lord Mayor says, with Palestine National Day to take place again on Friday October the 27th this year, I would like to alert you to the fact that organisations like APAN, who have been driving the pro-Hamas protests in Melbourne, have been given grants from the City of Melbourne. In the current circumstances, it is plainly evident that Palestine National Day, which is now a vigil for Gaza, will be a highly political event, and I have repeatedly tried to draw attention to it and question why the City of Melbourne sees its way clear to fund APAN and other pro-Palestinian organisations that want to see Israel eliminated. The Australian Jewish News has told me today that they will be running a story next week on this deplorable situation where ratepayers in the City of Melbourne are giving their money, which is potentially going to go into printing propaganda material for an anti-Israel rally. So... Um, I think this is something that uh, perhaps you might like to uh, put on your website as well, David. Yeah, no, I think I will. I mean, that's an absolute disgrace. And I really hope, David, that your efforts uh, with the council uh, bear fruit. I mean, the taxpayers' money to be used in this way is atrocious. Yeah, this was an issue last year. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the uh, Jewish organisations backed off uh, tackling... Um, the city of Melbourne over this. And in fact, uh, I pursued this uh, tooth and nail to get the uh, the mayor to explain or justify what uh, they were doing and uh, ended up going to a Hanukkah event that was in uh, Federation Square at the end of last year, which was organised by uh, a rabbi here in Melbourne. And he got very upset that I was there at his event causing what he thought was a, a stir and trouble and uh, my radio station management almost uh, took me off the air because of uh, what what I was considered to be doing as being disruptive, which was uh, found to be uh, false. That he was so upset on this occasion that his event was you know, somebody was raining on on his parade, so to speak. But uh, he took me to task. Anyway, that's all history, and I'm still here on the radio, as you can uh, hear, and my listeners 
who are tuned in as well can hear. So we'll uh, we'll keep a close eye on what's going to happen with this because I think this uh, has to has to change. The, the city of Melbourne cannot endorse a vigil for Gaza. No way in the world. Now you put out a post about APAN actually on uh, on your own website in which you informed readers about the way that Australian Palestinian Advocacy Network is operating by sending out an email to its mailing list advising its followers, of which you appear to be one, and its supporters to engage with the media every day. So why did you put this on your website? Um, what um, was your, your purpose uh, to well, uh, in exposing this? Yeah. this? No, exactly, to expose it. I, I follow a lot of these nefarious groups and anti-Semites to see what they're up to and expose their tactics. Because if people aren't aware of this, they could fall victim to their trickery, as it were. I've also even subscribed to the APAN-run trips in Israel, and I at one point uh, engaged with some other people to help me with this, and I exposed what these trips are about and how they try to use deception to get past Israeli security in order to, to do these trips. So I think it's important to sort of infiltrate, as it were, at least on this level, these groups, in order because you know, because one thing's for sure, they're going to be dishonest. There's nothing about their cause and the truth align. And, yeah, I think it's very important to shine a light on this. Yeah, that's absolutely the case, absolutely. Aside from this uh, program that we're on now, the Israel Connection, on this uh, wonderful radio station, J-Air, the only Jewish radio station in Australia. I don't normally plug my own website. I have a website too, uh, jmedia.online, which I see as a separate endeavour from my program, the Israel Connection. I'm putting out to you that I propose that we perhaps join forces as Israel advocates with a common cause, fighting for the truth as we defend Israel from those who wish to do it harm. Now, this is fundamental to what I do as a, as a journalist. I'm uh, at the deep heart of myself. I'm a supporter of Israel. That matters most to me of, of what I do. So what do you think of, um, of my suggestion, David? Yeah, look, I'm, I think now more than ever, we need to collaborate with like-minded individuals. And thankfully, this is what we're seeing a lot of now. If you just look at my WhatsApps, I'm not sure what yours are like, but, you know, I'm part of countless groups and people sharing information, sharing information from each other's websites, their social media channels, providing possible material, you know, because each of us have our own strengths and, of course, weaknesses, but we focus on the strengths, whether it's, you know, where you're located or what information you're privy to or the messaging. Not any one person can do it all or should try to do it all. There aren't enough hours in the day and you just don't have all the skill sets. So I think um, for sure it's a very important point, David, that we should be joining forces. So, yes, I, I totally agree with that, and I would definitely be honoured to, to be fighting side by side with you. Well, I'd be most honoured as well, given your uh, uh, superb tr track record. I, what disturbs me, well, we know that uh, different organisations in the communities that we uh, inhabit they're, they're very competitive with one another and they, they believe that they're on the, uh, on the high ground uh, when, uh, when they're dealing with issues that are in the community and that they feel that they're the ones that have the entitlement to, to speak and, and act. And I've got uh, instances or experiences that I've had where I've been put down by, by members or leaders of the community because they say they know how to go about doing this. They have the contacts. They're, uh, 
they, they're on the inside and uh, and they put you down because they demean you and think that you're insignificant. And I think you've had similar types of experiences. Yeah, I, I think, look, there's obviously ego involved, but I think there's also donor funds involved. So many, especially large organisations, want to justify why they're getting all this funding. And some of us little guys, I consider myself a little guy, a little organisation, I've only been around for a number of years as a as a non-profit before that, just a website. Yeah, I think that they try to take successes away from other advocates, grassroots advocates, and say, look, look at us. Look at the effect we're having. But we should all really come together. I like being the little guy, by the way. I would definitely like more donor funding, of course, to be able to be more effective. But being the little guy means I'm not beholden to anyone, so I can tell it as it is. And it's very important that I'm able to tell it as it is. It's exactly the way I feel, except that uh, my donor funds uh, actually, actually uh, amount to zero. Maybe, maybe one day uh, a, a benefactor will uh, walk through the door and uh, and things will change. Who knows? I've, I've really enjoyed having this uh, conversation with you, David. You're um, a great guy and um, doing a fantastic job. And let's work on this together. That's the, the best way, I think, for us to achieve uh, results that will be favourable towards Israel. Yeah, look, thanks, Dave, for having me. I mean, it's been a, an enjoyable discussion, even though we're obviously coming together at the most tragic of times. But yes, let's put our efforts forward, galvanise as much support as we can and strength, and uh, we're going to win this thing. We've got this. Yeah, let's do it. I've been speaking with David Lang, an ex-Aussie who has taken up the cudgels in support of the State of Israel with his website, Israeli Cool. For an up-to-date report of what is going on in Israel's war against Hamas and its allies, I'm now going to play an excerpt from the ABC's World Today program that was aired this afternoon, which highlights dramatically how the situation is rapidly spinning out of control in Gaza. The fallout from a devastating blast at a hospital in Gaza is growing, with at least 500 people killed. Rescue workers are scouring the rubble as Israel and Hamas offer conflicting accounts about who is responsible. Palestinian leaders have announced three days of mourning as the incident threatens to derail efforts by US President Joe Biden to ease tensions. A strike with catastrophic consequences. The explosion at the Al-Akhli Al-Arab hospital in northern Gaza has reduced the building to rubble. It was meant to be a refuge for thousands of sick, injured and frightened civilians who'd gathered there to try to escape the fighting. But it offered no protection. At least 500 people have been killed in the deadliest incident in the territory since Israel's bombardment began. Parts of the hospital are on fire. I don't know whether that's the emergency department. A British-Palestinian surgeon, Professor Ghassan Abu Sitar, told the BBC he was operating in the hospital when the strike occurred. Certainly the operating suite, the part of the roof has fallen. There's broken glass everywhere. Dr Zahir Kahel came down to the site after the explosion, describing the scene to the BBC. What I've seen is something from out beyond the imagination. Here they do not have equipment, they do not have cranes so that we can help the people or take the people from below. I think this is the biggest massacre 
the, biz, the biggest killing uh, that has taken place in, that, in this century. He pleaded for an end to the violence. Killings must stop. Civilians okay. must stop. If you want to, to deal with, with, with these uh, uh, militants here and there, this is not the way to do it. It's not the way to kill civilians. It's unclear who is responsible. Hamas has blamed Israel. But Daniel Hagari from Israel Defence Forces insists the blast was caused by a misfired rocket from Islamic Jihad. I can confirm that an analysis of the IDF operational systems indicates this is the responsibility of Islamic Jihad that killed innocents in the hospital in Gaza. Civilians in northern Gaza have been warned to evacuate ahead of an expected Israeli ground invasion. But Margaret Harris from the World Health Organization says that was not possible for many at the hospital. They're on ventilators or they were needing dialysis or there were babies in incubators. Just people, patients that no doctor or nurse would be willing to move. Now Gaza's already overburdened health services will be forced to take on the extra load. The only good outcome of any of this would be if the hostility stopped right now and that the world just took a breath and said, let's be humans, let humanity prevail, stop the anger, stop the hatred. As the crisis unfolds, civilians in Gaza continue to pay a heavy price. Hamas officials say some 3,000 people have been killed since Israel began its bombing campaign 11 days ago. Mark Regev, a senior advisor to Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, says Israel has tried to minimise civilian casualties. Now, I've got no doubt that innocent people have been caught up in the crossfire and we want to minimise that. That's why we ask people to move out of northern Gaza because there we know there's going to be very, very, very fierce fighting. Israeli authorities say the death toll in Israel is now more than 1,400. Now, two points to note from this terrifying report are firstly that the doctor in Gaza who claims that this attack on the hospital, which will no doubt prove to have been caused by a misfired rocket from Palestinian Jihad, was the worst massacre of the century. There you go, Dr. Zahel. Hamas will be awarded the prize for the worst massacre of the century for what it perpetrated upon Israelis and for what it has inflicted upon its own people. And secondly, Dr. Harris from the World Health Organization was saying that the only good outcome out of all this would be if the hostility stopped right now. Now, let me tell you, for Israel's sake, in no uncertain terms, that would be a bad outcome, that Israel has to finish the job of eradicating Hamas. In our parliaments, there have been bipartisan motions voicing very strong solidarity with Israel, except for the two misguided members of the Teals who joined forces with the Greens in an attempt to introduce criticism into the motions that were carried. The motion in the federal parliament included the clause, the House stands with Israel and recognises its inherent right to defend itself, which the Greens sought to change to say... The House condemns war crimes perpetrated by the State of Israel, including the bombing of Palestinian civilians, and calls for an immediate ceasefire between all parties and an end to the war on Gaza, recognising also that for there to be peace, there must be an end to the State of Israel's illegal occupation of the Palestinian territories. The Greens leader, Adam Bant, says he opposes anti-Semitism, but his deeds suggest that he really couldn't care less about anti-Semitism, with his despicable Greens party having become a magnet for anti-Zionists and Israelophobes. Everything the government does to protect Jews, the Greens oppose. One can recall how they opposed the introduction of the IHRA working definition on anti-Semitism. Adam Bant, you are a public disgrace. Let's hear some of the delusional speech that... Green Senator, Senator Rice, Senator Janet Rice gave in the Senate to justify the Greens' position. 
Senator Rice is a Greens lackey who also addressed the rally in Melbourne last weekend. She spends a lot of her time in Parliament knitting. The Israel-Palestine conflicts have been ongoing for over 70 years, since the beginning of the State of Israel, since the Nakba, when between 1947 and 1949, at least 750,000 Palestinians from a 1.9 million person population were made refugees beyond the borders of the state. The world has to act to stop the wars, the violence. We have to focus our efforts into achieving a just and lasting peace. And for there to be peace, there must be an end to the State of Israel's illegal occupation of and siege of Palestinian lands. That being said, the right to resist occupation must be in accordance with international law. The premeditated targeting of civilians by Hamas violates these laws, and as I have said, the Greens condemn this, their actions. The bombing of civilians by the State of Israel in response violates these laws. All perpetrators must be held accountable for their actions in accordance with international law. The Greens are calling for an immediate ceasefire and then following that ceasefire, a redoubling of efforts to end the occupation and establish a just and lasting peace. Now, in response to Senator Rice, who I'm happy to inform my listeners will be retiring from the Parliament soon, I'm going to play a short excerpt from remarks made by American commentator Dave Rubin. Now, Senator Rice has been invited to come onto this show, but like uh, so many, she hasn't got the, uh, the courage to come and uh, speak to anybody who uh, would challenge her very, very uh, anti-Israel views. We are, we are witnessing what is at the very least an attempted second Holocaust. Jews went through this sort of thing well before Israel, right? There were pogroms throughout Europe where people would enter Jewish homes and kill these people only because they were Jewish. That is exactly what is happening here. This has nothing to do with a territorial dispute. The state of Israel, the modern state of Israel, which is 75 years old, was born out of the end of the British mandate of Palestine, but there were no people known as Palestinians. There were Arabs that lived in Palestine, and there were Christians, and there were Jews. Israel is the land of Judea and Samaria. That's the real name of the West Bank. Uh, that's where Jesus of Nazareth lived. Uh, some people might have heard of that guy. Uh, the entire history, if you were to look at the story of Hanukkah, that whether you're Jewish or not, everyone you know associates with, with Christmas time. Uh, it's the story of the Jews defending their land in the hills of Judea and Samaria. These people do not want any Jews there, period. There is no overture that Israel could make. They have made many. Uh, the quote-unquote Palestinians have been offered a state five times at least in, in the modern years, and, and rejected it every single time. I see an awful lot of hack reporters who don't understand anything about history or any fact on the ground uh, who are saying, oh, if only this 75-year-old occupation would end. Oh, I suppose they're suddenly calling for the return of the British Empire. We could go a little further back. Why, forget about the Brits. How about we bring in the Ottomans again? It's absolute abject insanity and the level of destruction. You know, I talk for a living and there are not words to describe what has gone on here. Beheading of children, raping women in front of their dead husband's bodies. 
the, uh, it is un, absolutely unimaginable. And from where I sit, Israel has absolutely every right. And it's not just a right. It has an absolute duty to its citizens. And I would actually argue even further to the entire Western world to end Hamas. And then the world is going to have to figure out about the tentacles related to Iran and everything else. But, you know, when I watch these sort of liberal elites or it's kind of coming, you know, there aren't that many. I, I'm glad to say, you know, the, the world is seen some the images are so horrific that even the media that usually goes after Israel is is pausing at the moment. Women like AOC and Ilhan Omar from our Hamas caucus here in the United States, even they've been somewhat tempered because uh, it's hard to defend the beheading of children. But Israel has every right to do whatever it wants right now. You have a duty to your citizens to protect those people. Yeah, I've just uh, been playing remarks made by American commentator Dave Rubin. To finish, I'm going to play now uh, the speech that Senator James Patterson delivered in the Senate last night, which demonstrates his unflappable support for Israel. I want to take the opportunity tonight to perhaps unexpectedly uh, address the Palestinian people and their supporters in Australia. I do so because I have had the opportunity to already express my solidarity with the Jewish community and the people of Israel at two events in Melbourne in the last week. No decent person denies the suffering of Palestinians, especially those in Gaza. No decent person opposes the legitimate aspirations of Palestinians to live in peace, security and prosperity. No decent person questions the understandable anxieties from Australian family and friends for the safety and well-being of civilians in Gaza. Every decent person hopes for the peaceful resolution of the long-term conflict between Israel and the Palestinians. Where we may differ is who bears the primary responsibility for the conflict that we see today and the desperate circumstances of the people in Gaza. It is often said that Gaza is the world's largest open-air prison. If that is true, then it is Hamas who are the prison wardens keeping innocent civilians incarcerated. And it is not just the 199 citizens of Israel who Hamas is keeping hostage in their war, but two million Gazans too. Because while Israel uses the IDF to defend the citizens of Israel, Hamas uses the people of Gaza to defend themselves. Right now, innocent Gazans are being used as human shields by Hamas for two reasons. Like they have in previous conflicts, Hamas knows that storing their weapons and hiding their fighters among civilian populations, in apartment buildings and even in schools and hospitals makes the IDF more cautious in targeting them. Hamas also knows that if civilians are killed by the IDF when targeting their weapons and their fighters, that the civilian casualties are a powerful propaganda weapon to be wielded against Israel in the debate for global popular opinion. Is it any wonder that after Israel warned Gazans to move south in advance of a likely ground invasion, Hamas told them to stay put? Hamas told them to stay in harm's way. They know what the consequences of this will be for Palestinian civilians. Just as they knew the consequence of their horrific attack last weekend and their decision to not just shoot Jews in the streets and in their homes, but to kidnap them back into Gaza as hostages. No democracy could stand by and let that happen. 
No democracy could spare any effort in trying to recover their citizens. No democracy could accept the ongoing risk of another attack like this happening again. That is why Israel must act. That is why Israel must strike back. That is why Israel must eliminate Hamas. Sadly, we know that when they do, despite the precautions they will take, innocent Gazans will die. The responsibility for those deaths will lie with Hamas. No one who has any concern for the humanity of the people of Gaza should defend Hamas. It is, rightly, a listed terrorist organisation here in Australia. Since March 2022, following a recommendation of the Parliamentary Joint Committee on Intelligence and Security Committee inquiry, which I chaired, it is now listed in its entirety. What the government recognised and the parliament endorsed on a bipartisan basis was that Hamas is a single entity engaged in terror against civilians. Their actions on 7 October demonstrate the wisdom of that decision. Regrettably, we have seen some Australians seek to defend Hamas and their actions last week. On Sunday the 8th of October, while Hamas terrorists were still on the loose in Israel hunting Jews, Sheikh Ibrahim Dadun spoke at a rally in Lakemba. Among other things, he said to a cheering crowd, I'm smiling and I'm happy. I'm elated. It's a day of courage. It's a day of resistance. It's a day of pride. It's a day of victory. This is the day we've been waiting for. 75 years of occupation and 15 years of blockade, what yesterday happened was the first time our brothers and sisters broke through the largest prison on earth. This brings pride to the heart. It cannot be said that this was a rally to condemn an Israeli response which had not even started yet. It was a celebration of the death of innocent men, women, children and the elderly for the crime of being Jewish. If that wasn't bad enough, the following night at a rally organised by the Palestine Action Group ended with a group of young men shouting a series of distressing chants, including gas the Jews. In Melbourne, one protester carried the portrait of Hassan Nasrallah, the leader of the prescribed terrorist organisation in Hezbollah. Others at that rally chanted, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, a call for the eradication of the entire modern state of Israel and its people. I acknowledge some Palestinian Australian leaders have condemned some of this behaviour. At subsequent rallies, protesters were told that behaviour like this was not welcome and would not be tolerated. It is to their credit that they have done so, and they do have an absolute right to peacefully protest. But the incitement to violence that we have seen on our streets in the last fortnight is utterly unacceptable. Unfortunately, some have tried to defend or excuse it. I was very troubled to read a joint statement purportedly on behalf of Australian Muslims and signed by a number of organisations, including the National Imams Council. Included in that statement was ahistorical nonsense, like the claim that Jewish people were foreign colonisers in Israel, despite the fact that Jews have continuously lived in Israel for more than 3,000 years. It pretends that the Jewish people's connection to Israel started in 1947, and it offensively compares the creation of the modern state of Israel to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. It also questions Israel's right to exist and its right to defend itself. 
In a free society, they are entitled to have views on these issues which others find offensive or wrong. What is more disturbing is the attempted defence of Sheikh Tadoun's inflammatory speech in Western Sydney. The statement seeks to excuse his obvious delight at the murder of innocent Jews by saying that the media's reports of his comments lacked context. In particular, they suggested that the media failed to report his comments that, because this is the first time that Palestinians have broken free from the largest open-air prison on earth. Many media reports did, in fact, include this comment, and it in no way minimises the other things that he said. Because these Hamas terrorists didn't break free from Gaza to go for a walk. They didn't break free to go to the shops. They didn't break free to go to a restaurant. They broke free to engage in the worst massacre of Jews in a single day since the end of the Holocaust. A slaughter, an atrocity, a pogrom. It was every bit as despicable as anything that ISIS or Al-Qaeda have ever done. And Hamas is not just responsible for the 1,400 Jews and Israelis of other faiths they have already killed. They are responsible for the thousands of Palestinians who've already died and the deaths that we all fear are to come. Whatever your views on the best path forward for peace or the exact future borders between a Palestinian state and Israel, we should be united in this. We should all hope for a day when the people of Gaza are free from Hamas, because there can be no peace with Hamas. In the weeks ahead, as this conflict sadly continues, let's remember three things. Hamas initiated this attack. Hamas knew what would happen next and Hamas bears the responsibility for what is happening now. The only responsible and respectable thing to do is to unequivocally condemn Hamas. I hope that all Australians and all Senators can do that. Well, unfortunately, the vote in the Senate this morning uh, on the motion that was passed uh, in support of Israel uh, was 55 uh, with 11 voting against. 55 yes, 50 and 11 against. Now, earlier I mentioned uh, my website, J Media Online, with the overwhelming amount of news coming out of Israel with the war against Hamas. I don't have the resources currently to keep that uh, site going, so uh, I'm putting my hand up for, uh, for help if there's anybody out there in the community that is interested in uh, getting involved with J Media Online. So until next week, it's goodbye from the Israel Connection. <laughs>